welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are still going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, that what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. I'm sure there's more than one of you out there that said, oh boy, let's see what he does with that. Um, We are are reading, we continue to read from the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount uh, uh, found in Matthew's Gospel only. And the Sermon on the Mount, uh, many uh, scholars believe, was uh, a sermon 
the original portion of it anyway, to which Matthew appended other teachings of Christ. Uh, it is a large body of, uh, of text, and uh, we'll take a look at it, uh, recalling that two weeks ago, um, we heard the words of the Beatitudes, those comforting words, blessed are the meek, blessed are the mournful, blessed are uh, consoling words of the Lord and how different the character then is today. So two weeks ago, the Beatitudes, last week, the church's call to be salt and light. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Again, encouragement. But this week, following assurances that he came neither to abolish the law nor abolish the prophets, Jesus makes this series of pronouncements captured, if you will, piece by piece by piece by Matthew. And in some instances, rather startling pronouncements, huh? This morning at uh, chapel over at the VA, we had four elementary school age children in attendance with us. Uh, and it's always delightful to have them. Young Bailey Moucher, she leads the prayer of the day. And we had uh, uh, the Linus grandchildren with us. And so we, uh, uh, we have that uh, less formal time of worship together. But I could see as I was reading the lesson you just heard from, the, from Matthew's gospel, it was most of that going right over their sweet little heads. Uh, the things Jesus deals with uh, uh, rather pointed, quite different in tone and, and, and texture than the opening of the sermon. So as I say, some of Jesus' pronouncements rather startling. Pronouncements on a wide range of topic. And again, if you, if you counted or followed along, anger, adultery, divorce, oaths, retaliation, enemies, charity, prayer, Jesus said, you have heard it said... But then Jesus followed up with the words, but I say to you. He he surely stunned many in his audience. Now, have you ever been in the position of telling someone something indisputably true? Say, speaking to a child uh, or to a subordinate, only to have the next words from their mouth be, But, but, when that happens, you can be pretty confident that what's going to follow that but will be as much self-justification as explanation. If Jesus first cited law and prophets only to go on then and in the first person declare, but I say to you, What is to be made of the man there seated on the mountain, teaching his disciples and looking out and speaking to the multitude that were hanging on his every word? You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. But I say to you, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but I say to you. 
with each and every one of these pronouncements, Jesus elevated, made more difficult the challenge. Not like those comforting, consoling words of the Beatitudes. Now Jesus is speaking, and every time he spoke, poked, jabbed. The challenge of the law was already laid upon the disciples and upon those seeking to follow. But as Jesus makes these extreme pronouncements, he's, he's quite literally begging the hearer to ask the question, just who does this guy think he is? And that's the question for today. Just who does he think he is? Who did Jesus think he was? Well, to the scribes and the Pharisees, listening at the margins of those attending the Sermon on the Mount. To the scribes and the Pharisees who followed Jesus, who heard reports, the answer was becoming increasingly clear. Jesus was dangerous. He was a dangerous man, perhaps a heretic. A threat, certainly, to everything. To that which they, the traditions that they held sacred, to the very life and existence of the temple and the community. Who did he think he was? After all, they knew him to be a man without credentials from Nazareth, a carpenter's son. But they had to admit that he. He, he possessed this incredible appeal in what he said. He was a man who was stirring up people. And when you stirred people up, you were sure to attract unwanted attention from the Romans, with whom the temple authorities held a rather tenuous peace. Jesus in the mind of those leaders, was creating false hope. And that, in the end, could only end in more suffering. Just who did this Jesus think he was? And so if you approach from that perspective, it's not so hard to understand how the leaders, those with authority, Therefore, view Jesus as a threat, not only dangerous, but a threat. It is not that hard to understand the perspective of the scribes and the Pharisees and their, of course, as you know, chosen course of action. The coming sacrifice that we will observe as we journey through Lent toward Good Friday, the coming sacrifice I'm going to suggest by today's lesson is becoming as inevitable as it is perhaps understandable. Of course, we know that the matter would play out most dramatically and be decided in the shadow of the cross. Jesus was hauled before the ruling council after his arrest when they felt they had enough evidence to act. Jesus was hauled before the ruling council 
And in his gospel, John recalled, and I quote, the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the council and said, what are we to do? This man is performing many signs, and if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. Do you not understand that it is better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed? You have heard it was said to those of ancient times, but I say to you, the question must ultimately come down to this, not what others, whether ancient or modern, thought about Jesus, not even what Jesus thought of himself. But what do you think about Jesus? What do you say? The author C.S. Lewis and the children today, Jacob, you seen The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Do you know that movie? Yeah, the author, the man who wrote that. Okay, C.S. Lewis considered this very question. His answer, he put this way answering the question, who does this guy think he is? C.S. Lewis answered it. He said, he's either, you get three choices. Okay, so you get three, three choices. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he is the son of God. In the book, Mere Christianity, he observes, and I apologize for the somewhat um, stilted language of the time. Lewis wrote, I am here... I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Lewis writes, that is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely uh, a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who said he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him, you can kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He didn't intend to. Hmm. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, but I say to you, 
And so it remains the central question. A question that would first be, I think, answered by Simon Peter happened just a little later on in the uh, Matthew's Gospel when after nearly three years of following Jesus, Jesus put that question to the disciples. This way, Jesus said to them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they answered, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Throughout the generations, that church, the church affirmed Peter's answer. It affirmed Peter's answer when, for example, the Protestant reformers of the 16th century, Luther's day, identified and described the nature of the church in the Augsburg Confession. Of their movement was written they, who came to be called Lutherans, teach that one holy church is to continue forever. The church is the congregation of saints in which the gospel is rightly taught and the sacraments rightly administered. And to the true unity of the church, it is enough to agree concerning the doctrine of the gospel and administration of the sacraments. It is not necessary that human traditions, that is, rites or ceremonies instituted by men, should be everywhere alike. As Paul says, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So back to our question. Who did Jesus think he was? He was the Lord of the church. And to put a finer point on it, the question is, who do you say that he is? Your answer, no matter whether in the affirmative or the negative, will ultimately become an article of faith. Your confession of faith, your faith. If your confession is like that of Peter, that he is the Christ, you're part of the church, against which Jesus promised not the gates of hell would prevail. The church, one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church with Jesus as Lord. Not one among many, but himself the way, the truth, and the life. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times. But I say to you. Last week's reading from Matthew's gospel ended with these words that Jesus also uh, spoke that prefaces this week's reading. 
unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so those whose righteousness was based upon all of these do's and don'ts and legal rules and expectations, they, they were not where Jesus was going. But rather he was headed and invited those who followed him in a totally new direction. And that is without abolishing, without negating uh, what went before to elevate through faith in him uh, the righteousness of those who would become his church. Thus, our righteousness, the church's righteousness, is ever to be Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's our message. Jesus Christ and him crucified. No longer the law as it was to those of ancient times, but to faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so came out of our confessing movement of the church. Sola fide, faith alone. Sola Christus, Christ alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola scriptura, scripture alone. These words came to define our Lutheran movement among all God's people, for by them we have heard from he who said, but I say to you, And so I invite you now, let us listen and learn, believing both the law and the prophets have been fulfilled in him. Let us answer who we say that he is, that we might have our place uh, in the, uh, the long story that is ours, the long hope that is ours, the long faith that is ours, that we take our place there seated on the mountain with those who heard Jesus say, not only blessed are you, but I challenge you to be salt and light. And not only that sort of righteousness, but even a greater righteousness. A righteousness by answering the question, who do you say that I am? And as C.S. Lewis has suggested, we respond by saying, as did Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.